welcome to the Cheeky Investor Podcast VIP episode. VIP episode. <laughs> it's still recording. Apparently, apparently no S's. No, <laughs> not that I'm aware of. <laughs> you take over. Uh, welcome everybody to the Cheeky Investor Podcast. This week, uh, we are getting back into a topic we love talking about, which is how to help beginners particularly uh, with investing their first thousand dollars and then how to help um, people who actually have a little bit more. So we're looking at about $10,000, how to help them to invest, where they should be investing, what stocks they need to look at. Um, just all those really important things that you need to know if you've got all that money sitting there. Um, obviously, massive disclaimer, Phil, which is we are in a crazy, crazy moment, which every time we do a podcast, we say, oh, things are volatile, things are volatile, and it only seems to get worse. So <laughs> this, this advice is supposed to be evergreen. We're not necessarily saying you need to jump in now and invest in the sorts of stocks we're going to be talking about. What we're saying is park this podcast gently away in the corner um, and when things begin to return back to some normality, uh, you can then re-listen to the podcast and go, oh yeah, okay, now I know what I'm doing. So I, th I think that's a fair disclaimer, isn't it, Phil, given what's happening? Yeah, and yeah, it's just crazy at the moment until we get past that US election. Um, oh, at yeah. the end of the year. that's the trigger. Yeah, that's the trigger. Yeah. Calm down. But this is more... Actually, just as an aside, just got a question for you. Um, are you thinking of making any plays around the election? No. No. Why is that? Not going on. Um, oh, I don't know. I can't think of any Kanye stocks to go long on. Ah, oh, imagine. That'd be amazing. Imagine <laughs> you put it. money on him now and he just like trailblazed to the top. Savage. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We've talked before about... Um, you like you know contrarian investing and stuff like that um you know i know a couple of people made quite a bit on brexit um and yeah i don't know i'd sort of be i'd be half tempted to put a punt on trump um getting back in and i'm sure lots of our listeners will be horrified with that thought but you know let's <laughs> let's remove the emotions we are talking about investing here uh, i'm not saying it will be a good thing but yeah i'm sort of tempted to look at what you could do to put a bit of money on that because you just don't know. Like, you're right. As you say, it's so chaotic. It's so insane. You just do not know what's going it, to happen. It depends, on, it depends on the perceived outcome from who wins. If Joe Biden wins, what, what's the general consensus around the stock market? Mm. So if you think you're going to get up and win, but people think the stock market's going to go down, um, then you just got to short the, the US market. Um, True. You want to do that a day or two before the election. But I think, like, even if Trump gets in, there seems like there's so much artificial stuff going on like we're getting price to earnings ratios on tech stocks that are going back to the tech bubble yeah sort yeah. of days like I'm, I'm reading back on some investors back then and they said fuck it's obvious like you, you're paying hundreds on your price to earnings ratio and what the price to earnings ratio means is that's how long you have to wait till you get your money back so if something's trading at a price to earnings of 50 you have to wait 50 years to get your money back on, on that investment you're paying fifty dollars yeah, right. for wow. earnings, so, and we've got companies like in Australia here, Afterpay, like, but they're not even making money. They're not even profitable. Yeah, uh, Tesla's up thirteen hundred dollars a stock. It's, it's, um, it's worth more than um, all these car companies that have been around. And I think someone done a chart the other day what their um, their value is per car produced or something, and it was just ridiculous. Yeah, right. Like Tesla for the small niche that they do hold, 
having a bigger market cap or bigger value than um, you know even someone like Toyota or some of these companies that are yeah, pumping out established cars. car makers that yeah absolutely have proven that they can make a competitive car. Yeah, it's um, the the interesting thing would be um, who's got the most assets. Like market cap's one thing, but who's got the most equity in their company? Yeah, true. Be, uh, well, yeah, well, but but this is the thing though, and I can't figure out. It feels certainly like a bubble, but is that also being driven by artificial inflation? So we know the main economies around the world have been obviously pumping money. And I think we've actually, the last podcast, the one before, we, we sort of talked about that. Um, but is, 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 you know, is this whole thing being driven not by, well, I suppose the tech bubble was also driven by investment coming in. But I suppose what I'm saying is there's a kind of a bigger picture here around generally around the economy and how much money governments are pumping in. And governments can't afford to stop doing that, I suppose. So, you know, does that lead this whole thing to a slightly softer landing? Because ultimately governments aren't going to just turn the tap off they realize, you know, there'd be vast amounts of unemployment if they're not able to pay, or, you know, a lot more unemployment, a lot more issues with, you know, people having to go on the dole. So I don't know. It's just so, it's such an odd, unique, you know, perfect storm of horrible situations that has led to where we are now. And I do feel that governments are going to continue to print money. They just, they can't stop doing that. And therefore the, the, um, the stock market will continue to go up, you know? It, it, it depends on, I guess, the time frame. But I think the longer they do it, the longer it's going to be delayed because, yeah, you know, the, the way governments make money is through tax. Well, that's one of the biggest income streams. So how does it work when, particularly in Australia, they're, they're paying out more money because less people are working? So we've got a payment at the moment. If it's 1500 a fortnight, it's just not 1500 they're paying. It's also the amount they're not getting back because they're not on a taxable income. True. Yeah, true. So, which means that, that eventually somewhere they're going to have to cut or somewhere they're going to have to raise prices. And, you know, if people are unemployed and they're, raise, they're talking about raising GST. Um, if you're unemployed already or there's big unemployment, who's going to afford to pay the additional GST? Yeah. Who's going to, who's going to you know, miss out when they stop spending on, on various areas? Um, but the government has the power to print its own money, though. So the government can print its own money. It's not the the printing of its own money, um, and and they they don't, in a sense, they they still have to go to the Reserve Bank. To they do have to get the Reserve Bank approval, correct? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean yeah. they they're pretty influential in those conversations, yeah. um, but I think I don't think it's the printing of the money. I think the interesting part is the repayment terms. So they could go into a whole heap of debt, and they're like, you know what? Let, let's agree to a forty-five year loan, and we'll pay this off at two percent interest per year over the next forty-five years. Mm. That's the interesting part is the payment terms. Yeah. Whereas, uh, uh, yeah. Like said, yeah, if we've got a goal or you've got a repayment period um, of seven years, obviously that's a lot worse for the budget yeah, than... like bonds, than, yeah. ...than the mm. period. Um, yeah. but, but if you print too much money, then the, the value of it goes down because it's just... That's worthless. If, if everyone's unemployed and but they're all wielding 1500 bucks a fortnight from unemployment... Um, <laughs> that's that's a weird I know. world for and look that's you know that's absolutely we've seen countries where that's happened um and that is a very real possibility with the current economic um uh setup but obviously there are people arguing saying we need to change that setup we need to change how economies operate how western economies operate because they're not operating successfully you know we have 
mass unemployment since the GFC, um, and that there's still um, significant long-term unemployment as a result of that. It's never been fully resolved. You know, we've got zombie companies that are being propped up. We've got, you know, big corporations not paying tax. Like, there's all these kinds of myriad of issues. And, you know, governments hate going into debt, so they're not – so they'll happily cut services, you know, and cut and, – and, you know, do all of that before they'll actually make, get, get some extra money. Um, anyway, it's a very – I suppose the message out there is a very weird time. However – um, it is also weirdly a very good time to look to invest um, because there will be opportunity. And, you know, we always say it, you know, you, you, you need to learn, you need to know your stock, know your market, know yourself. Now is the time to get that knowledge up really, really well so that you're, you're prepared when the market returns to some sense of normality. And I, and I agree, Phil, I think the November elections will provide some um, level of structure and stability to what's happening because people will know what's going to happen for the next four years but now is the time to do it so what we would have talked about this week is um if you had a thousand dollars phil what would be your investing strategy for that that's really it and then we'll we'll do the same thing for ten thousand because it's quite interesting there's differences between the two yeah so i think a thousand dollars is a really make or break amount i know some people listening to this it's it's massive to them um, and, and, you know, that, that's valid, that feeling. Um, the, the first thing you'd want to do with a $1,000 investment is make sure you've got money to back that up later on. Like, you, you certainly don't want to be doing $1,000 and say, well, that's me done and dusted for the stock market. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hang back till retirement. So don't think of it just as a one-off investment thing. No. I'm investing in $1,000. How, how do I get my next amount um, sort of to invest? But um, I, I think at, at that stage, you've probably got to get used to the emotions of the market. Um, and and seeing the the money go up and down, um, so I think going into a, a, some kind of index fund or an ETF could be a good way to to do that. Yep. Um, an index fund is you know an index that tracks a particular um, composite or a particular um, market. So in Australia, you can have the ASX 200 index, which means your investment will track um, the top 200 companies in the Australian market. Um, the Nasdaq tech companies in the US, for example. Uh, so what it does is it gives you, you know, one, a bit of a diversified portfolio, but, but secondly, and probably most importantly, is it gives you exposure to that emotional roller coaster because um, sure. they're, they're going to go up and down. And, and it gives you that exposure without as much risk as going in and saying, all right, let's drop a thousand bucks on Afterpay or let's put a thousand bucks on, I was going to say Tesla, but you can't do that now, a thousand bucks on Facebook, for example. Um, because one of the, one of the risks with that is, you know, that Facebook get done for this massive privacy thing and their stock crashes by eighty percent. That's certainly uh, not not the level of emotion you want to get used to. No, not now. not with a thousand dollars for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think everyone would be crying if they lost, you know, eighty percent of their, their their first investment. So yeah, no, for sure. So so I'd be looking at something, um, yeah, something, something like one of those indexes. And me personally, I'd probably go the Nasdaq. I'm a bit of a risk taker. It's top um, top tech companies in the United States: Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, uh, Microsoft are in there. Whole heap of companies make up that. So actually, mm. I don't know much. Um, yeah, and, and you kind of get exposure to that, and, and the returns on that has it, it, been um, yeah, it's been phenomenal. It's actually at a, an all-time high right now. Oh, really? It's the highest. It's um, Oh, as in the index? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. What has yeah, the what yeah. has the returns been actually? 
Because uh, well, we always talk about the S&P, but yeah, we don't really talk about the NASDAQ. Yeah, so I'll kind of have a look over sort of a five-year period. Um, S&P 500's, I think, 51.6%. Okay, um, and, and, so 10% NAS- a year. And the NASDAQ's 110%. Okay, yeah, right. So, yeah, 20%, yeah. but over 20%. Wow, okay. God, that's, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's savage. And I suppose that reflects... The, the 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 tech companies that have really seen that significant growth um but as an index i mean absolutely the, the, there's a, a great safety or a relative safety in investing with um with funds like that um where yeah you're you're you know you're you're going in for the whole stock market as opposed to individual companies um but actually yeah i mean the nasdaq is quite a, an interesting one it's probably that nice combination between that sort of um, risk level, but it's a very manageable um, risk level with ETFs in general and um, that I'm aware of. I think people were still making money even with, with coronavirus or at least, uh, you know, sort of a couple of people I was talking to who were with various um, apps that, that, you know, were ETF investors and they were saying, yeah, I mean, they dropped down significantly, but they actually never lost money, you know. So you can always put together a combination of different um, stocks to, I suppose, to, to protect yourself. But I, I quite like that idea. I think ETFs are a great way for people to get into it. Yeah, and even just to understand what stock, you know, the stock ticker names, to look at graphs. I mean, it's all that, Phil, I think is really important for people at the beginning of the game where it's a scary world and there's, it's a, you know, it can be quite intimidating if you're looking at, a, at graphs and things like that to actually understand it's not as intimidating as you think um, to me is a, really, is a really good benefit. And with ETFs, it's nice and simple. You know, you have your, you're not having to look at five different companies. You just have your <laughs> single graph and that sort of tells you what's going on. You can pull information quite quickly and understand. And also with ETFs, if you pick the right one, you pick one like the NASDAQ, you'll know the companies. So you've got that. We always talk about, you know, invest in what you know. I think that's really good. So you'll know, and it'd be the same with the S&P 500, same with the ASX. You'll know the companies that are on there. So if you see something in the news about Microsoft doing well or Google doing well or are Netflix on the NASDAQ? Yeah, they are. So any of those sorts of companies, then you can directly correlate that with what happens with your um, with your money. And I think that's a really powerful thing because it's that cause and effect that you really need to understand and um, that happens. So uh, for me, I, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Um, the way that I would do it as well as, a, as an alternative to that, um, it's definitely firstly play the, 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 the safety card, so to speak. But, you know, I, I would actually be thinking longer term because $1,000 starts you off but $1,000 you really need to be adding to all the time. And that could be $50 a week. It could be, I don't know, $20 a week. It doesn't matter. It could be $200 a week, whatever. It doesn't matter. $1,000 is like, you know, you start there. What I would be looking at as well as an alternative to ETFs is longer-term businesses. Um, at the minute, you know, you can still get deals in terms of businesses like Coca-Cola. Um, you know, the really big sort of um, multinational businesses that are, you know, are still going to be around in, 10, 15, 20, 30, you know, 100 years time, whatever it is. And just building a nice stable of these longer term companies that, excuse me, aren't necessarily going to um, be, be, be smashing winners every year. But overall, you know, if you're looking at this kind of longer term, you know, four to five year and beyond sort of period, you'll see really, really good growth and kind of safe growth in a way, you know, Starbucks, like it's, it's these sorts of companies that, you know, are, are 
they might be taking hits now, but you know, you know they're going to be around. So that's for me is the other way to do it is to maybe kind of similar to the EDFs, you know, take that safety route, maybe go with a small number of, of really safe stocks. But the key on both parts, I would say is, is that a thousand is your starting point. It's what you do after that, that matters. It's taking that $20 extra you earn, taking that, 50, that has to go into the, into your fund. Like that has to happen. And that's how you really start growing um, your money. Yeah. Nice. And, and the, like I said, those companies are, they're proven, proven business model. Yeah, they've been around for that long. There's yeah, you know, they're they're And that's the thing, like they're, you know, they're also, um, you know, like as a lot of them are, you know, there are companies you can pick that have been around for a long time. You've never heard of, but you can go for ones, you know, I mean, geez, Coca-Cola, you know, you, you know what that is. You, you, you feel the product, you get it. Like it's, it's easy to kind of understand. So anyway, yeah, that would be my alternative, but I do think, yes, I think ETFs are a great way to start. And that's how I started when I was, was getting into investing was ETFs. I used an app here called Raise. Um, and uh, it was a great, yeah, it was a great way to, um, as I say, understand what's happening in the market. And it was quite nice because you'd see that pluses, the pluses, you know, so you, you knew you were making money and that's really nice. Whereas when you get into actually with individual stocks, you, you're going to get pluses and minuses on different days. Like you'll lose money, you'll make money. And that's a little bit scarier. You know, you have to be comfortable with what's happening in the market to accept that. Whereas I think ETFs in general, you know, they either go very low or, you know, whatever, but you're generally not going to be losing money. You can obviously, but it's, it's yeah, generally enough. So um, yeah, I like that. I agree with that. So if we take that idea then, um, if you had $10,000, how would you change or what, what would you do? What would be your strategy at that level? So, you know, let's say someone who's beginner, but you know, is happy to throw a bit of money into things and lose it a bit, you know, unlike a thousand dollars, I suppose they're happy to lose a little bit. Where would you sort of go with that, Phil? Yeah. So the current split that I've, I've kind of worked out over the period of time is I have um, a 40, 40, 20 or broadly an 80, 20 split. So 80% of my portfolio is in um, pretty renowned tech companies um, and household brands. Uh, and then 20%, between so to break that down, I'll have 40% in tech. And when I'm talking about tech, I'm talking about Apple or Google. You know, they're not something that's just listed on the stock market because they can compress files really quickly and they're not making money and they're valued at, you know, $900 billion. Or something. <laughs> they're kind of proven tech companies. You're not jealous. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bothered at all. <laughs> Um, and then the other other forty percent of that is is household brands um, that have performed well. Starbucks yeah. uh, comes to name that um, comes to mind, which is in my portfolio. Um, I think McDonald's is really interesting. Uh, something like Walmart. Um, so these big kind of household names, and yes, you'll notice that a lot of that's investing in the United States, but um, that, that's just mainly where my portfolio is. There isn't a lot of massive upside i don't see in the australian market um it, it really hasn't done a lot outside of kind of um <laughs> really after paying some of those buy now pay later sort of stocks you get a few ones like kogan have sort of done well but yeah yeah and, and how I, does yeah i'm sorry just a question on that so um we've talked before so so a lot of that is to do with liquidity is it is the, the number of buyers and sellers like what what drives a market to um 
have greater growth than than another stock market, if that makes sense? Well, there's a few different things. Um, first one is knowing that we're, we're a dividend-demanding country. Like, And I don't know if this will change with generations or not, but Australia's been brought up to expect dividends from less stocks. We're, we're told to buy quality blue-chip stocks that pay dividends. And if a company's paying dividends, it means that they can't grow as aggressively because what you do is you take your earnings and then you either keep it for the company to grow or you pay your shareholders a dividend or you do a combination of both. Yep. So Australians expect dividends. So dividends are, you know, five to six percent per year that you're getting as a return. Whereas in the US, their expectation is high earnings. They want high earnings, high growth companies. They don't oh, care yeah. about dividends. Yep. Um, so they want that higher, higher return. Um, so as an example, long-term average for the price to earnings ratio in Australia for the stock market's 15, which is you know quite reasonable. Whereas in the United States, it's 25 because they're happier to pay a higher amount for a stock knowing that they're going to grow quicker and they have that capacity to grow quicker. And, and you just look at the companies. It's something I call um, global stocks with everyday appeal. And, and the United States kind of have that for most of them. Like McDonald's is global and people have that every day. Google, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Microsoft. They're global stocks that have everyday appeal. Whereas look on the Australian market and the reason that Afterpay has done so well is, it, is it's hitting that area now. People can use yeah. Afterpay every day. They've hit that global market. Whereas if you have a look at, you know, um, Commonwealth Bank, for example, like the general customer base, the core of the customer base, it's Australian. It's an everyday product. Sure, you're paying interest on it, but it doesn't have that global kind of reach. So you you captured an audience of 22 million people. It's not like ComBank are going to go um, open up a branch in India and look to do some rapid customer growth like um, Netflix can do. Yes. So they're just kind of capped. Most of them are kind of capped. It's not until you get to some of those ones where they do have that sort of bigger appeal. Interesting. No, that's really good. Yeah, no, that's... um. Yeah, that explains it a lot because it's certainly the U.S. market is definitely the way to go. But sorry, just to go back to the discussion. Um, yeah, I, I quite like that idea. I think definitely at ten thousand, you're you're opening yourself up for more opportunity, and I think it's definitely about looking at stocks. And um, that's an interesting. The eighty twenty split is quite a good one um, because it provides that security net, but then also allows for that little bit of extra sort of play for interesting it's stocks. Great. Break it down a bit more, that speculation. Um, I generally want that across at least three, ideally four companies. So it'd be four companies at 5% of my portfolio. Yep. It'd be that okay. speculation. And yeah. the goal of that is to beat the market. I know that 80% Apple and, and McDonald's aren't groundbreaking companies, like, like except for Apple this year have carved up. That, uh, that part, I generally want them to keep pace with the market. Uh, it's the 20% that I want to beat the market with. And I'm talking about putting 5% of the portfolio into an IPO or 5% into, you know, I've, I've got Carnival Cruise at the moment um, as a turnaround play. I was going to ask about, yeah, because I think, yeah, okay. I was, that's it. I was going to ask about that actually. Um, yeah. Because I think that's a really important thing and it's an interesting thing. And it's something that, look, investing is about taking risk, but it's about managing that risk. And the sort of levels you're talking about, 
perfect, you know, 5%. It's that sort of a play. So really, you can really afford, if you're putting money in every month to your account and you're at the 10 grand level, you know, like you can afford to lose five grand. No one wants to, oh, sorry, um, 5%. Nobody wants to lose it, but you can. And I think that's where it gets quite interesting is, yeah, you, you can make those real speculative plays relative and carnival cruise we actually did a really good podcast about the travel industry and we talked about carnival cruise and how they've obviously been smashed but of course the reality is cruising is going to come back and it's just how long you want to sit in and i think that that's really interesting definitely is if you build up a little collection of those five percent sort of companies um that are real kind of outsiders but but you know enough about them to kind of feel that they're going to do quite well um that to me is a big difference between that one thousand dollar mark and that ten thousand you know it's 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 obviously it's it's about having the money and being able to like um lose some of it but it's it's also the mindset changes because you're at a different level a different level playing field you know you, you're able to kind of let loose a little bit while still making money with your with your stable of like safe kind of companies at that point in investment like who cares like ten thousand dollar portfolio you got 500 bucks in carnival cruise yeah one, who cares if it goes broke? It's 500 bucks, yeah. um, which would be the extreme worst scenario. Um, but what, what, you, what if you buy it and it halves? Well, you've lost 250 bucks. Cool, you just stay in the stock for 250 bucks. It's not, not an issue. It's not going to keep you awake at night. And that's some of the issues that people try and get into these speculation stocks where they're putting 80% of their portfolio into them. Yeah. And that psychologically, you know, it might have been the right move, but psychologically, you've got to be prepared to play that downturn. So when it's five percent of your portfolio and you're losing two hundred fifty bucks, you really don't care. You yeah. know, like it's two hundred fifty dollars. It's you know sort of for most people, it's kind of a day's work when you put it into context. Uh, but you want to have you know you want to have kind of goals on that. You want to um, you know have the potential upside to be um, going four times the amount in sort of three or four years um, to take that kind of payoff. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I get you. Oh, yeah, no, uh, definitely. It's it's even though the that money difference isn't significant, it is a big jump in terms of how your mindset works, and also probably your desire and interest. Like, I mean, you know, you could still put your ten ten grand into an ETF, obviously, but you know, I, I think at that at that ten grand level, you can actually really start to see your money building if you know how to use it properly in the stock market. Um, whereas with a thousand, in all honesty, it's hard, you know, it's hard to see it. You're getting 10% returns, but I mean, it's, it takes a while for you to really see that money growing. So I think for me, it's, yeah, when you get to that 10 grand, it's, it's definitely that sense of, right, okay, I'm really seeing the return coming in. And if I'm reinvesting this, I'm going to begin to get that snowball effect, that compounding effect that happens, you know, the more money you get. So I think a lot of it definitely is, is, is mindset as well. Um, let me just check on the timing because I was just going to briefly ask you, oh yeah, we've got a couple more minutes. So just a quick one, Phil. So we've done a thousand, we've done 10,000. What if, um, someone had 50 grand quickly, what would you, where would you stand? Would it be the same as the 10 grand money or would you actually say, Anna, you need to do something slightly different? Um, no, for me, I, I, I like that structure that I've come up with. Um, the, the key is understanding, you know, your, your kind of personal comfort level of risk. Like if you're terrified of picking stocks, um, you, you're probably not <laughs> engaging in a lot of content um, to, to do that. So you, you go with an ETF, you go with an index fund, that still works at that level. Yeah. Um, and you also want to know uh, where you've come from. <clears throat> if you've just inherited $50,000 and you're getting in the stock market for the first time, 
um, again, going to those ETFs or index funds are probably the way to go because you need to learn how to handle those losses and those gains in increments. But if you've been trading for a while and investing and, you know, you've generally had 10 to 15,000 and then maybe you've got an inheritance or you've picked up money from somewhere, then you're probably ready to do that $50,000 um, portfolio. And again, I'd, I'd keep it the same. I think um, going with those tech companies, those well-known uh, tech companies, uh, adding some of those um, stronger brands that will kind of uphold the portfolio when the tech fluctuates a lot. Yep. And then the speculations is really that that cream on the top and it just changes it all, all of a sudden. You, you're putting $2,500 into Carnival Cruise um, instead of, you know, that amount. And again, you buy that at halves, you've lost 1200 bucks. It's not. Yeah. It's not going to have a big impact on your portfolio. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. No, I like and that. The is, and the goal is with those four speculations is, you know, two will probably lose money. One might break even but one of the four is going to go up 10 times in about three years and it, and it works out the, yeah, it just smashes your portfolio. Yeah. It just picks you up to the next level again. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Excellent. Well, look, that was cool as always. Um, yeah. Interesting take on how to play it. Obviously a lot of people might want to sit tight, but hopefully there's some good ideas in there for people at different levels or, or people who yeah being able to save money during um, the pandemic who are thinking about, you know, wanting to build a little bit of extra money. Um, what I'd say is don't forget, as always, well, firstly, thank you for listening. And then don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Huge amount of information on there. And um, we've actually also set up a new YouTube channel. So we have our, our Cheeky Investor channel. But um, Phil's also set up awesome new channel, um, Aussie Day Trader. So if you just type A-U-S-S-I-E Day Trader, um, you'll find the channel there. It's got Phil's lovely mug on the front of it. Um, click on there. There's already a couple of videos um, just, just all around trading. So it's, uh, it's really, it's going to be an awesome resource. We're just starting, we're building it. So please get on, subscribe, do, you know, do the notification, get involved. I'll put a link down below. Um, and also we've got lots of, Cool things happening, lots of really good products out there, really good freebies. We've just got a new ebook out that's for free. So hop on our Facebook page and check all of that out. Um, and as always, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll hopefully catch you next week.